You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. Welcome to Lesson 21 of the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. We are nearing the end of the section about the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. As Paul concludes this subsection about the blessings that we have in the Son of God, Paul says in verses 11 and 12, In him also we have received an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, that we who were the first to hope in Christ should live for the praise of his glory. As I mentioned back in lesson number 12, Paul uses the purpose statement of for the praise of his glory three times in this passage, in verses 6, in verse 12, and verse 14. Now, in our passage, it is important to remember that the reason we have an inheritance and the reason we are being predestined according to his purpose is so that we might live for the praise of his glory. Now, if you want to take this concept a little bit deeper, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to lesson number 12 called Better Than Broadway. Now, next time, we're going to look at the second half of verse 11. But for this lesson, I want to focus specifically on the concept of our inheritance. Now, you'll notice as we continue working through the first chapter of Ephesians that this idea of inheritance shows up several times. Our verse again reads, this is Ephesians 1.11, In him also we've received an inheritance. Now, if you look down a couple of verses, Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit and he says in verse 14 that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And again, in verse 18, Paul prays that we might know what is the hope of God's calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints. You'll also remember that wherever an author repeats a concept, It is often there for significance and importance. It's like he's taking a highlighter pen and coloring the passage and he's saying, hey, pay attention to this. So this idea of inheritance, which is mentioned three times between verses 11 and verse 18, becomes an important point that Paul is making. Now, it's interesting to note that in verses 14 and verse 18, the word for inheritance comes from this idea of property or money given to an heir. But the word here used in verse 11 is an entirely different word. And in fact, this is the only time in all of scripture where it shows up. Now, the word here comes from the concept of casting lots or being chosen in accordance with the will of God, which actually makes sense when you look at the second half of verse 11, which has this idea again that we have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Now, the root word of our word inheritance shows up a few times in the New Testament. And again, it goes back to this idea of casting lots. For for example, in Matthew 27, verse 35, Jesus is upon the cross and the soldiers are dividing his garments and casting lots for them. Now, we don't know a lot about this idea of casting lots, but it would have been kind of similar to this idea of drawing straws or tossing dice. So it's like you would take a stick or a rock and you would etch a name or initials or a symbol into that rock or the stick, and then you pick one out randomly. Or a lot of times you'd take the pieces or the rocks and you put into a pot, 
and then you'd shake it and whichever piece fell out first or whichever one fell upon the ground, that would be the one that was chosen. Now, in the Old Testament, lots were used several times in the ministry of the high priest. Uh, it was used to select individuals, uh, to assign priestly duties, or to settle disputes. Now, one key way that casting lots was used in the Old Testament was in dividing up the land as God commanded Moses. See, as the Israelites came into the land after the wilderness, uh, the wilderness <laughs> wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, Joshua cast lots to see what territories or what sections of Israel each tribe received as their inheritance in accordance to what God told Moses to do in Numbers chapters 26 and chapters 33. Now, take all of that and come back into Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Paul writes that in Jesus, a lot has been cast and we have been appointed or chosen for an inheritance. In the Greek, this word inheritance is in the aorist passive indicative. Now, don't let that scare you. As an aorist indicative, it indicates that this has happened in the past. And the indicative states that this is a simple, simple statement of fact. In other words, this isn't up for question or this is not a possibility. Maybe it will. Maybe it's not. This is a fact that in Jesus, we have received an inheritance guaranteed. Now, the word is also passive, meaning that you weren't the one to bring this about, but rather you merely receive the inheritance in Christ. So just as the tribes in the Old Testament cast lots to determine what their inheritance was in the land, so too it has been determined that we should receive an inheritance. It is as if our name has been etched into a piece of stone, tossed into a pot or a vessel called Christ, and we have been chosen in him. Now, just as we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, according to Ephesians 1.4, so too we have been chosen in Christ to receive an inheritance. As Romans 8 verse 16 and 17 declares, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So the question becomes, what then is our inheritance? Now, if you remember back from our study in verse three, every spiritual blessing that we receive from God finds its fulfillment in Jesus. So the blessing that God has in our life is Jesus himself, that the blessing, the inheritance is his life. Our inheritance is, as Paul begins our verse, literally in Christ, for it is the person of Jesus himself. And this becomes even stronger in verse 14, which we will look at in a few studies from now, when Paul writes that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee or the down payment of the fullness of our inheritance. Now, make sure you get this. Our inheritance is not something that we, well, we hope to receive one day in heaven. Rather, we get to partake of our inheritance right now. Now, granted, it is not the fullness of our inheritance, but we have a down payment, a guarantee of the fullness, and that we have received the Holy Spirit of Christ, whom we call the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5 through 7 says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward mankind appeared, 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 4 through 6, that you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. So what is this inheritance that we have with the Jews? It is contained in the mystery of Christ, which we discussed over the past several lessons. So what is this grand mystery? It is the twofold reality of Christ in us and our lives in him. Now, interestingly, some Bible translations translate our verse, which is Ephesians 1.11, that we have become his inheritance, which is an interesting way of stating the verse because, well, that too is true. Just as Jesus is our inheritance, we are also his inheritance. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 declares that God in these last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the world. Now, this was hinted at even in the Old Testament. For example, in Deuteronomy 4.20, Moses is speaking to the Israelites and he says, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be to him a people of inheritance as you are today. In Deuteronomy 9.29, Moses is speaking to God about the Israelites and he says, yet they are your people, your inheritance, whom you brought out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. And in Deuteronomy 32, 9, it says, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. So God has chosen us or he's cast lots and we have an inheritance in Christ, which is Christ himself. And yet at the same time, well, we have become his inheritance. We are his dwelling place, his portion. Paul asked the Corinthians, what? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God, and that you are not your own? I've often made this statement that the Levitical priests in the Old Testament are a foreshadow of Christians in the New See, it's interesting that the priest did not receive an inheritance of land. Rather, their inheritance was God himself. And we too, you recognize, that we don't receive an inheritance of land. Our inheritance is God himself in Christ Jesus. As Numbers 18 verse 20 says, The Lord said to Aaron, You will not have an inheritance in their land, nor will you have any territory among them. I am your territory and your inheritance among the children of Israel. And Joshua 13, says, Yet Moses did not assign land to the tribe of Levi as an inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said to them. Now, as of this idea of the foreshadow, the, the Levitical priest being a foreshadow of Christians, I want to give you three quick ideas 
in the fact that Jesus is our inheritance and of course we are his. But number one, Jesus is our focus. Just as the Levites were focused on God and ministering unto him in the temple, so too our focus and ministry is Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the ministry of the churches was to be a lampstand holding up the lamp, which was Jesus. Now, the lampstands may look different with different emphasis in ministry, but the focus is all the same, which was the lamp itself, Jesus. So Jesus is to be our focus. Number two, not just that Jesus is to be our focus, but Jesus is our provision. See, God provided the Levites with their food, their resource, their shelter, their safety, and their security. Again, the Old Testament understanding of inheritance was that that which was promised by God to his people, and it was his pledge to care for his people and provide them security. Now, this is all over the Psalms. For example, Psalm chapter 5 verse 11 says, But may all those who seek refuge in you rejoice. May they ever shout for joy because you defend them. May those who love your name be joyful in you. So we have this idea that if he is our inheritance, then he is to be our focus and he is to be our provision. But thirdly, Jesus is to be our life. See, he is our inheritance and the spirit is the down payment of that fullness. So no wonder Peter declares in 2 Peter 1.3, that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Yes, everything that we need for life and for godliness is found in one single place, Jesus. What an amazing reality that is. And as such, Jesus must become our sole attention, our, our number one focus, our single delight, our only drive, our consuming passion, our turn on, the beat of our heart, the flow of our life, the every thought within our mind, the word upon our lips, our life's energy and resource. See, in short, Jesus is to become the fullness and the consumption of our very lives. Do you recognize that if Jesus is our inheritance, that heaven will not be, you know, singing in the clouds or playing eternal shuffleboard. Rather, Heaven will be a constant fellowship and, and intimacy with Jesus. And though I cannot wait for that day, I must remember, and you must remember, that our inheritance isn't received sometime in the future, but it's experienced right now through the indwelling life of Christ. By nature, the language of inheritance, just that even that word, there is an emphasis on the special relationship between the benefactor and the recipients. So in our case, it's between God and us. So would you bask and grow in that indescribable and incredible special relationship that we have with the king of the universe, Jesus himself? Or to perhaps come at it from a different angle, the Hebrew concept of inheritance is a bit more general and as such, it conveys this idea of to take possession. So what would it look like if Jesus took full possession of you and you took full possession of him? For he is our inheritance and we are his. Now, as I continue to state over and over and over again, the essence of Christianity in our lives 
are all to be about the centrality of one single thing, Jesus Christ. So would you make him your focus? Would you allow him to be your provision? Would you allow your life to be built upon and around him? And therefore, as Paul commands, we should live for the praise of his glory. Well, thanks for joining me for today's study. If you would like to see an outline of the study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians 21 for lesson number 21. And you can check out all the previous studies in Ephesians by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. Now, next time, we're going to study the second half of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and examine what Paul says in the statement, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. And if you have time, I would encourage you to study ahead and prepare for our time together in the next lesson. And until then, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.